let's be honest, a book about SEO doesn't sound like the sexiest topic. <laughs> so, so yeah, like the thing with SEO is obviously it gets technical um, and, and we can explore some of those technical things, but yeah. it doesn't have to be technical. SEO doesn't have to be hard. It just takes time. Like you just have to do it the right way. You are listening to Podcast Success Secrets. This podcast is for people who want to become the best at what they do and build a community around that. My name is Daxi. And if you want to learn the best way to start or grow a podcast, visit podcastsecrets.co. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Success Secrets. On this episode, we're going to be talking about podcast content SEO strategy. And I know SEO can sound like an unsexy thing, but I promise after you hear Damon talk, it won't be as unsexy. I'll make it sound sexy. Because this is so important nowadays with everything going on. I guess platforms and media changing so much. SEO isn't going to go anywhere, I think, as long as there's Google. So knowing the best practices is important. So if you guys don't know who Damon is, he's worked with billion dollar brands. He's worked with startups. Um, he's had some insane results, which I'll, I'll let Damon explain here in a minute. So yeah, I'll bring Damon in. What's up, Damon? How's it going? What's up, Daxi? <laughs> Thanks for having me. So I kind of want to dive into and, and keep the topic around like for content SEO, because I think that's a big strategy or a big picture in like when you're helping people rank is, is the content they're producing, correct? Yeah. So like if you, if you think about it from an easy, a really easy way to kind of break it down or to think about it is you can only rank for what Google can read. And, and then likewise, you know, if, if you don't produce unique content, then why would you expect to rank uniquely? So content is a huge part of it for sure. Gotcha. So um, for people listening, because I know SEO can sound like unattractive, mm -hmm. but uh, it's attractive. <laughs> you, know, you know, what's funny, but, you know, I wrote a book recently and the yes. first sentence in the introduction says, let's be honest, a book about SEO doesn't sound like the sexiest topic. <laughs> so so yeah like the thing with seo is obviously it gets technical um and and we can explore some of those technical things but yeah. it doesn't have to be technical seo doesn't have to be hard it just takes time like you just have to do it the right way so there's a right way to do content there's a right way to build the website structure but the general concepts are not that hard and every time somebody comes around and says well what about the latest algorithm change algorithms still back into core processes and, and those core SEO processes are things like good page speed, right? Nobody likes to go to a slow website. So Google's going to reward you for a quick loading website. Good content because you want to answer questions and solve problems. Like if you just make Google look good by solving the searcher's question or problem or giving them the right product for what they need, then that makes Google look good. Uh, you know, good design, easy navigation. And so it's it's really simplistic things if you think about it. Yeah. So who would be like SEO as far as like developing an SEO strategy? Like, where do you see like what kind of people would be the biggest strategy for or opportunity? Like any certain kind of online businesses who aren't leveraging it, like who aren't even like it's not even on their radar. It, like, it's actually really interesting because it's almost like the bigger the business, the more out of touch with SEO they are. You, you'll see Fortune 500 companies. Obviously, there's a lot of them that are on top of SEO, but there are like a ton of mega brands that yeah. just have like the worst optimization. I mean, you, or, you work with some too, right? Some big brands. Yeah, yeah. You know, I work with billion dollar real estate, international real estate agencies. I worked with the, the team store at the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz is a billion dollar company. But, you know, a funny site to look at, I, I, 
I haven't looked at it in a while, so hopefully it's still the case. But if you go look at Berkshire Hathaway's website, it is the most, it is the worst website you'll ever see in your life. It's like one page, two pages, and it's just all old school. He follows his philosophy. He stays away from tech other than Apple. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely intentional. It's it's like, you know, there's no return in the website, so I spend time there. But it's just kind of humorous for how big of a company they are. It looks like they built it in 1980. Yeah, is it still the same? <laughs> um, so are you a Utah Jazz fan, by the way? I don't get into sports a lot, but just by being local to Utah, yeah, I'm you know I'm partial to them, but um, I'm not like a diehard sports gotcha. fan in general. Well, had a heartbreaking loss, I know, in Game Seven. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just like that. Was that two days ago? Uh, yeah, it was a close game. Yeah. But uh, as far as SEO and and podcasts, personally, like, what, do you know any any like brands or you know personal brands, celebrities, et cetera, who are kind of doing it right that you see with their content marketing strategy? I don't really follow a lot of people, and and that's actually you know worth maybe talking about. Uh, it's very intentional that I don't follow a lot of people because I find that, especially in the SEO world, because a I don't feel like I need you know I've, I've accomplished great yeah, things with like, SEO. My like Neil Patel, like that's the only guy I know educating at SEO. But yeah, well, I mean Neil Patel is a good example. So a lot of times when when it comes to SEO, like I don't need to have my company go validate our our accomplishments against other people. And then every once in a while, of course, you end up down the rabbit hole or Neil Patel is obviously very good at what he does across different channels of marketing. So you always see his stuff. So a lot of times when you run into just other marketers, not not necessarily Neil Patel, but a lot of people just kind of rehash the same thing and say the same thing over and over and over, maybe in a slightly different way. So I don't really follow a lot of people intentionally. And, and even outside of the marketing space, I don't really follow a lot of people. I don't have major influencers that I follow. And I think that's because you know, a little bit of luck. I've always been self-motivated. But then, you know, I've, I've probably learned more from what people have done wrong, like in former employers and things like that, than really following like one, two, three step blueprints to success. So I just kind of do my own, stay in my lane. Gotcha. So for a lot of people listening to this podcast and my group, like they're people who produce a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it's a common strategy, at least from what how I see people produce content of like, going search-based first or using leveraging that kind of data mm-hmm. of what people are searching online is. Can you kind of like talk about the power of that and like what are the best things to get started in doing that? Yeah. So even though I don't have like a perfect example of somebody that's killing it, I can tell you what you can do to kill it. You know, a lot of times uh, the people that I do see, largely for the reason you've said, you know, podcast people are good at doing podcasts and social media people are good at doing social media. But what I think people fail to realize is that websites pretty much act like a hub or at least should act like a hub uh, the center point of your marketing strategy because your website is an asset that you own you don't own apple itunes you don't own facebook you don't own all these things that people throw money at you are building up the legacy of that platform when instead you could be building up the legacy of your own platform which is your website and then and then we there's other things that i won't dig in too deeply but like Briefly, one example is when you optimize your website, it benefits other things. Like one example is if you do paid ads, then through the course of SEO, you improve your page speed, which helps paid ads give you a lower cost per click. So there's like all these advantages above and beyond just SEO to doing SEO. So some things that that you can do, particularly for podcasters, is as we said earlier, Google can only rank what it can read transcriptions are a super easy way. So 
a lot of people use Rev or I use Descript.com. You just drop your audio or video file in there when you're done. It'll kick out a transcription. And if, if you want to polish it up, you know, there's a margin for error with those automated transcriptions. But if you want to, you know, they're going to be 90, 95% accurate. And you can just spend a couple minutes polishing it up. And, and then there you go, like with very little effort. Now Google has a whole bunch of other stuff to read. And, you know, I'll pause there before I go into like the next things you can do. But that's that's an easy win. Yeah. And that, do you usually kind of just... Because um, I, I see sometimes it can get clunky. Do you have like any like plugins you like that kind of make it like a drop down or something? A transcript? Yeah, I use a, I use a toggle. So depending on how you, how you built your website, you know, I like to build websites on WordPress using a framework called Divi. And in Divi, it has built in features called toggle or accordions. And you can find, you know, these things on other platforms and or you could just Google, you know, toggle script and things like that. But that way, it's the transcripts are collapsed because as you said, they, they can get pretty lengthy and clunky. And then when people expand it, then then it'll show everything. But the way that that those little toggles are coded now, even though it's collapsed and closed, Google can still read it. So search engines can still read it, but then it's not in the way of visitors. And and you know what I do is is I don't spend the time going through and spending the extra couple minutes um, polishing up the transcripts. But instead, what I do is the title of the toggle says these transcripts were automatically generated. You know, something something. There's margin for error. And so yeah. that way you kind of have that liability, that disclaimer in there uh, without having to waste it. a ton of time. Yeah. Yeah, we do the same. I always hear a lot of people trying to kind of either understand or know how to influence what shows up when people search their name or their company or their podcast. From what I can tell, it seems like a few sites rank pretty high. Like when I search my name, like LinkedIn or Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that people can do to make, to like help them? like know how to make what they want to show up, show up, like when people search their name or company? Yeah, it, it just depends on what your, you know, what your main goal is. Because Google is going to show what it feels like most people want. So some people may want your LinkedIn, some people may want your Instagram, some people may want your website. There's no definitive, you know, answer where it's one and not the others. So Google will pay attention to click-throughs and what's called bounce rate, where people go to the website and then they leave. Like, how long do they stay? So depending on which one you want to show up, then then spend more time putting the content there first because Google will pay attention to timestamps. So a lot of times I'll put content on damonburton.com first and then two days later I'll go share it on LinkedIn or wherever else. And so that way Google sees the one that I want as more of the authority because that's where the original content goes first and more frequently. So there's a couple things you can do like that. Gotcha. Okay. For podcasts who... Um, I, I literally just lost the question. <laughs> well, while you're thinking, that, I got one thing I was going to come back to. You had asked about um, how, do people, how do people focus on search intent first? You know, like coming up with topics that their audience would would maybe already have in mind instead of just throwing up random topics. There's a really cool website that you can... Well, there's two things you can do and both of them are free. So one of them is you can just go to Google. So whatever your podcast topic is or your niche is, you can just kind of start typing in a word for it. And then you're probably familiar with autocomplete where it's like, oh, hey, Daxi, maybe there's like one of these five things you want. Well, that's Google telling you exactly what most people search for. Most people end up completing the sentence with. And so that's a very clear answer as to questions that your audience is asking. And then along the same topic, you can go to a website called answerthepublic.com. And answer the public, you go in and you punch in 
same kind of thing. And it'll take data from all sorts of places and make you like a visual chart that says, here's the who, what, when, where, and why about this topic. And that is also very clearly, you know, insights into your listener's intent or your buyer's intent or your audience intent. So you can have a focused topic instead of just picking something random. Yeah, that that website's awesome because it shows like the who, what, when, where, why. Um, yeah. that, uh, and it seems like it's very present day, um, at least mm-hmm. the results. I remember my question. I guess SEO has a long history. Uh, you've been in it for 13 years. I don't know if you've been at the, in, the inception. I don't know how early it started. Yeah, yeah. How has it changed nowadays? Like, is content way more important nowadays than before? Like, what are kind of... I know, like, we don't have to dive too much into, like, black hat stuff or white yeah. hat. Like, mainly, it's, it's... Yeah. The kind of, like I touched on earlier, the core concepts are still the same. Um, so good design, good content, good user experience. What has probably changed the most is shifting from quantity to quality. And that largely happened in 2011 and 2012. There's two big algorithm updates. One came out that was uh, called Panda, which was focused on good content. So before that, people started to realize that, that, as we said, you can only rank for what you can read. So people would start stealing content from other websites. And it was kind of like whoever built up the most credible website, even if somebody else published the content before you, if you snatched it quick enough, because you had built up a more credible website, you would get the credit for that content, even though you didn't write it. So they started to pay attention to timestamps and you know who who really is writing content. And then there was also another algorithm that came out called Penguin, which focused on backlinks, which is when another website hyperlinks to your website. So each of those links is kind of like a vote in the search engine popularity contest. And that largely shifted from a, a quantity model to quality as well. And so you know the things that used to take like backlinks as an example, a lot of agencies maybe would do a thousand to two thousand backlinks a month for a client. And then if you're doing it the right way now, you're still spending the same amount of time, but it's mostly manual and far less automated. And you might get five to ten links instead of a thousand to two thousand because quality matters so much more now. Yeah. And what's like a good length for blog posts? Because I know I don't know if that like if you hit a certain ratio, it helps even more like with indexing for keywords, et cetera? Um, Well, so same kind of thing. Quality matters more than keyword count. Um, But I can kind of give you an example. And and this is going to depend on the industry too. There's no no solid answer across everything. You know, some people say, well, what's my bounce rate? Like my bounce rate is... So bounce rate is when Google pays attention, how quickly people leave your website. So it goes from, you know, zero to 100. The lower, the better. So most websites are somewhere around 50 to 60%. Like that's kind of average. Obviously, some are better, some are worse. But you may be in an industry where people come, they come to your website and whatever problem you solve or question you answer, they read it in 10 seconds and they're done and they're satisfied. So you're probably going to have a big bounce rate, but that's relative to your industry. So like if you got 60% and some and you're comparing yourself against somebody that has 30%, but they're in a completely different industry, then that's kind of it's kind of a different ball game. I don't. Wh- how did I get on topic of bounce rate? What did you say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh, length, length. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, that's still good to know. Like I didn't quote, know that that it was relative to kind of like your market. Yeah, and so the reason why I brought that up with content length is because you know you may have a shorter answer versus longer answer. So. Like my writers, I have six in-house writers. And when my writers work on content, I tell them to never never pay attention to keyword count. But I can give you like an average. So I tell them to you know focus on quality, focus on answering 
the question of whatever we're trying to address or problem we're trying to solve. But what we did is we used to write an average of four or five blog topics per month per client, so like one per week. The average length of those without having an intentional keyword count was between five and 800 words. Now, what we did is we started A-B testing a year or so ago and said, okay, if we spend the same amount of time, but we write two pieces of content per month instead of four, but we do way more research and come up with longer form content if it's justified, then you know we don't want to just like shove extra words in there just to have a longer count. But if we can legitimately extend the content and the answers, is it, does this perform better? So then we started averaging you know, 1,200 to 1,500 words. And that noticeably performed better. So I, I wouldn't say to take those words, that word count is literal, but um, I think it just further emphasizes quality. Gotcha. Um, what's up, Joy? We got a hashtag live time. Brett has a question here that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, he wants to know, he wants to hear your views and strategies about voice SEO. I love this question because uh, it it emphasizes kind of what we've talked about, about how there's core concepts uh, and practices in SEO. So what you got to think about about voice is like, okay, here I am. I got my phone. And I'm like, hey, hey, Google, whatever, whatever. You know, the answer that Google gives me back did not come from Webmaster or Daemon SEO guy on the other end, like recording an answer on voice. The output is voice that Google gives you, but where they, that answer originated is just a plain old regular website. And so it further emphasizes those core practices. Google had to find an answer quick. So PageSpeed matters. Google had to feel confident in the answer it was going to give to the voice searcher. So good content matters and quality. Then there's, there's another thing called schema, which I won't get too deep in, but it's like a way you format text and so you don't see it visually, but behind the scenes, schema wraps uh, is a little snippet of code you wrap around your text that says, um, so, so when Google comes to a website, it goes, I think, think this page is about topic A and this page is about topic B. And I think, I think, I think. Obviously, it's you know pretty confident in its assumptions. But schema says, no, Google, I'm telling you, telling you very definitively that this is a frequently asked question. Here's the question. Here's the answer. Uh, yes, this is my phone number. Yes, this is the product details. This is the product price instead of Google saying, I think this is the product price. So when you have good structure, then Google feels more confident in the answers that it's trying to retrieve quickly. So, you know, it's voice may sound new and sexy and shiny, but it's still just traditional SEO behind the scenes. Yeah. Even with... Because I know a lot of people use Google Home. My partner uses it. Um, And I've, I've also seen also that behind the scenes with podcasts they're automatically transcribing it mm-hmm. and podcasts are showing up now for search terms which is pretty interesting i don't know if you've seen that yeah. like showing at the top when you search certain things yeah 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 um, it's just it's just whoever can uh you know the, the sites that are going to show up or the podcasts that are going to show up are the ones that are the most easily accessible that have the most value added unique content yeah so you actually helped me a lot with my website recently <laughs> yeah <laughs> You did a quick Loom video and you showed me some some little tips to like improve my page load speed and it worked pretty mm-hmm. pretty insanely. So like yeah, what did you, you go from like eight seconds down to three seconds or something like that? Yeah, like a little under four. Yeah. yeah. So what would you recommend, or what do you see like the most common mistakes people are are doing in their websites to kind of fix speed? Um, is it kind of like I guess, and we're talking about WordPress websites. Let's not talk about ClickFunnels or anything. 
Yeah. Um, you know, the, the backend makes a difference and it, it's worth noting on ClickFunnels. Like there's nothing wrong with ClickFunnels, but ClickFunnels yeah. is good, good for funnels, but it's, it's yeah. yeah, but it, you know, it's a different discussion for SEO. So one of the things that I see quite frequently is, is people build websites on Wix and Weebly and Squarespace, which like ClickFunnels is fine. You know, it serves a purpose, which is to get a website up quickly and cheaply. But the problem is because that website is fully hosted, you have to log into Squarespace. You have to log into Wix. You have to log into Weebly. So you don't like own that backend. With WordPress, you install it. And so you have access to 100% of the files and configuration. And as long as you know what you're doing, you know, that little 5 or 10% extra access that you get by owning your installation can make all the difference in the world. So your platform does make a difference. Um, and then, you know, on WordPress, I can give some plugins that are awesome and free. I like WP Fastest Cache, which will help um, cache the website, which basically means it takes a snapshot. So Daxi goes to the website and then it's like, oh, Daxi, because of Daxi's visit, we had to load the page. Now, instead of when the next person comes along loading it again, let's just like take a picture, a snapshot. And then we can just load the snapshot next time instead of having to scramble and read all the code again. So caching will help, WP Fastest Cache. Have a backup though, because in rare occasion, it can make things funky, but it's like almost never. Um, and then another plugin that I like is called Smush. And what's SMUSH? And what that will do is when you load an image to your website, there can often be hidden data in there. And that might be the date the picture was taken, the, the latitude and longitude, whatever. And so even though you don't see that, it's still embedded in, in the image. And so that adds to the image weight. And so Smush will try and remove that data. So it still loads the same. The visual quality is retained, but it, it improves yeah. the, the quality. That, that was something that helped us a lot, like the yeah. and using that. What is like a good, I would say, best practices people should be active with on their website? Like, you know, do you recommend a minimum of like posting content on their website per month, et cetera, if they still want to have some domain authority? It's going to be the kind of the quality content answer again. Um, I would say consistency does matter though, but don't force yourself to do it. If you can do weekly, that's probably a good consistent frequency because it's it's enough that you're always adding fresh content, but it, it's not like excessive where you're you're running out of ideas and trying to cram in something daily. So weekly or bi-weekly is nice. If you only end up doing it, you know, monthly or excuse me, bi-monthly is is nice. So if you only end up doing it maybe every other month or every couple months, then you're not really building a relationship with Google as kind of like an authority. And, and so you're not going to get as far. Um, but again, it's relative to your industry. Like some industries, it doesn't make sense to blog every day. But yeah. when you do blog, have some sort of consistency that you can commit to and then focus on quality over, over quantity. Gotcha. I'll ask your question next, Marcos. Uh, but first, Joy says she has to go to school in kindergarten. <laughs> uh, she asked about the best... Hello, Farrell. Hello, parent. Podcast website on. I'm, I'm assuming WordPress. I don't know what Duda is. Duda. I've heard a lot of people. I haven't used Duda. I've heard a lot of people talk about it lately. Um, I'm always. A, I, I'm unless you're doing e-commerce, and even sometimes when you're doing e-commerce, there's reasons why I would say still go with WordPress. But I'm always a fan of WordPress just because you have total access and total control of everything. And the other nice thing is. It is the most widely used platform there is. It's like 35% of every identifiable website on the entire internet is on WordPress. And the reason why that's awesome is because 
when you think of like this cool thing and you're like, oh, I need to add this to my website. I wonder how much it's going to cost to get custom programmed. Nothing, because somebody else has already thought about it and you can just go find the plugin and then it's, just install it. It's open source too, right? WordPress? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So Marcos, he's a young hustler from Africa. He's like 15 years old. Uh, so, I just launched my business publication. Any tips on growing viewership? I don't really pay attention to vanity metrics. So, so Dex, I don't know if you know, so viewership on um, like readership in like, text content or like... Knowing what Marcos does, which is in uh, like booking and, and media, it's probably around like, uh, you know, an entrepreneur or th- whatever article. Type. Is it like video viewer? Okay, so it's an article though? Uh, I'm assuming. Okay. Uh, I'll answer this a couple of different ways. First one, again, quality matters. So the the tips I'm going to give you in a minute aren't going to matter if the content sucks. So you have to have good content. Then the way that you can start to get your content out there is obviously you can go share it on social media and retweet it and things like that. But here's the thing on social media. When you post on social media, social media platforms are disincentivized to share external links. They want to keep people on their platform. So when you share that content, don't add a link. Because when you add a link, then then Facebook, Twitter, whatever is going to say, well, we don't really want to show this that often because we don't want people clicking on it and then leaving. So share your content by pasting it on there. So it's just the the content itself. Now, some people might be saying, well, isn't that duplicate content? Technically, it is. But the reason why I don't really have a lot of concerns about that is because... We talked earlier about give your website the original timestamp. So put your content on your website first and then wait two or three days before you share it on social media. So that's one safety net you have. And then the other safety net is that like your content in between sharing your content, your other posts, you're probably still linking to your website. And then Google kind of sees those as a nod to the original author and timestamp. So when you share it on social media, I would share the actual content to increase the the visibility. And then the last thing I'll say on this one is there's other websites out there that um, you can kind of experiment with. Some are good, some are bad. Like some some people have good luck with them depending on the content, some don't. But one is Q, Q-U-U-U-U.co, I think. It's Q and then three U's.co. And then um, another one is viralcontentb.com, I believe. And so basically on those websites, you buy credits, which are pretty inexpensive. And then you share your content or you can actually earn credits by sharing other people's content. And then that will get you out in front of audiences and and start to kind of distribute your content and and hopefully get tap into some new readers. That's some good tips for Marcos. So you would say it's a best practice if you are going to be kind of reposting a content like almost word for word on social media that you separate it from the main source a few days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So set, publish on your website first because, like we we're saying, make that your hub because that's the asset you own. Set up Google Search Console so Google gets notified quicker of your new content. And then put a delay in between when you share it on social media. And when you do share it on social media, do just the text. Or sometimes what I'll do is I'll do an image and then the image is watermarked with damonburton.com or whatever. And so that way it's not a literal clickable link that. Facebook sees and, and gets discouraged about showing. Uh, but at least that way, if people want to read more, then, they'll, then obviously they'll know where to go. Gotcha. I want to talk about your book. Uh, you have a book on SEO, right? Yeah. I have this beautiful masterpiece right here. What's the subtitle? Your Guide to Making More Online by Showing Up Higher on Search Engines and Outranking Your Competition. Boom. What can you say about outranking your competition? Outranking. That's the whole goal of SEO, right? Is to show up higher for words you can monetize. So that 
the the obvious evolution of that is to outrank your competitors and in the book i share some fun stories because like we joked at the beginning seo isn't necessarily the sexiest topic so what i tried to start with in the book is some of the fun stories like um you know outranking billion dollar companies my wife is a fan of abc the bachelor and so 10 15 years ago she had me watching the bachelor and it was the season finale and they talked about who this next guy was and so i looked them up and there wasn't really any information on him and i was like well if i don't really care about the bachelor and i'm already looking him up just imagine how many other people are looking him up so i that night i spent like 90 minutes made a website optimize it and outranked abc's the bachelor made thousands of dollars for doing nothing after that and so i tried to start with like cool stories interesting stories like that to to still emphasize the value and the potential in seo as as i gradually get into the more technical stuff in the book gotcha cool so they could pick it up on amazon i'm sure yeah, it's on Amazon. Or um, if you wanted to get a PDF, you can go to freeseobook.com and, and you can get a download there. That's a good domain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I did. I did. It wasn't too much. That was like 300 bucks. So. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, so for everybody listening, is there anywhere you like to follow you or et cetera? Uh, the two best places. So if you if you go to freeseobook.com, there's no upsells or anything. But on the thank you page, it'll invite you to a Facebook group that I have. And then um, I'm obviously on Facebook and I, I probably post the most on LinkedIn. Cool. Go check them out. And uh, thanks you guys for listening. And uh, I'll see you in the next episode. Take care, guys. Sexy. See you guys. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you're new here and you still don't have a podcast, and a lot of people listening to this actually don't have one. They're just... It's in the future plans. I really, really recommend you join our 21-day podcast launch challenge at podcastlaunchchallenge.com. It's only 97 bucks. It's a steal of a deal. We're not really trying to make money on it. We're just really trying to get people up and running with podcasting and maybe give us a really good testimonial, which we have a lot of. You can go to the website and check it all out. So stop procrastinating. Commit to starting a podcast and go visit podcastlaunchchallenge.com to get started today. Appreciate you guys listening and I'll see you next time. Peace.